three, two, one. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dickens and Quips, the podcast that takes the po face out of poetry. Join me, Dee Dickens, as I wander around showing you a world that isn't only populated by old dead white men. This week, and I would drum roll, I got nothing to drum on, but ah, I have Connor Sansby with me. You might want to hit pause and make yourself your preferred beverage, because when me and Connor get together, we end up talking about all sorts. And I'm here for it. And it might be this, I'm warning you, this may be a long episode, but stick with us because you will probably learn stuff and you might have stuff to contribute, which we will always be happy to hear. So first, the official bio, which I have to say is the shortest one I've had yet. Well done, sir. (laughs) I've got notes on that. You got notes? On bios, yep. Yep. Okay, Connor Sansby is a poet author, festival producer, and editor-in-chief for Whiskey and Beards Publishing. Since 2013, Connor has performed across the south of England, including Margate Soul Festival, Wise Words Festival, and London's Let's Kill It, which is such a Connor thing to perform at. You'll You'll find out. His work touches on themes of cultural waste, depression, and the uncomfortable in the everyday. In 2016, Connor released his first short story collection, I Am Not a Well Person. His first collection of poetry, Promise Me the Journey Back, was released in April 2018. Say hi, Connor. Hello. Yay, I'm so pleased to have Uh, you here. As ever... What the bio doesn't say is what Connor means to me. It feels like we have already known each other forever. But in reality, it's only been since March. He's my publisher, which is, yes, which is very exciting, which is great because I've got my publisher this week. I had my editor last week. And next week I have another Whiskey and Beards member of the cohort, Sadie Davidson on. So this is like... Such a talented group. like And such a lovely bunch of human beings. This is the thing. My biggest like thing when I get someone involved in Whiskey and Beards is, are they a nice person? Are they going to cause me like hassle? And are they then are they good? And if they hit both of those things, then I'm like, yeah, cool, perfect fit. I love it. Excellent. Plus, plus we can ring each other up and talk about things like bears and hippos for hours, which is always good. Well, I really hate the idea that like some people have got publishers where they're like, they have to defer to them and they're their boss. I'm like, no, screw that. If you're publishing, like, if you're a publisher, you need poets as much as they need a publisher. It's a mutual, like, level. It's the same, like, level because you both need each other. And Absolutely. then if you both need each other and you're working together, like, quite closely because you're dealing with, like, intimate, like, stuff, poetry, then why shouldn't you be friends? Why shouldn't you be able to talk about bears and, like, the ridiculous amount I spent on whiskey recently. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I have the same thing with Lysenaweth. I mean, I'm in the same position as you with that, where I'm handpicking who I'm publishing. Mm. And it's the way to go. It's absolutely the way to go because like a publishing press I've discovered, and I think part of being part of whiskey and beards has actually encouraged me in in exploring this is like a family it's not just 
about the business of publishing books. It's about making a connection with people and helping them make connections with other people and then getting other people involved. And, and then suddenly you're sharing beautiful words and having long conversations about bears and whiskey. I've always thought that Whiskey and Beards is a collective that generates books rather yes. than like a publishing company in a traditional sense. Yes. Um, so I really love seeing when people like pop up and like, hey, we're going to collaborate on this project. Or um, when people come to me and they're like, hey, I've got some work that I want to put through the Arts Council and I need these kind of people. And I'm like, well, you realise that so-and-so is an expert in this, so-and-so is an expert on that. Yeah. Um, one of the, the people on Whiskey and Beards at the moment, for example, is putting together their first like hour-long theatre show. And they were like, yeah. oh, I really need someone who can who can book theatres. I'm like, well, we've got Steve Todd and Todd and his wife, Melissa, run a theatre company that did a national tour. So I'm like, if you're going to talk to someone about booking theatres, look who we've got in the family right now. And you know they're a good person because like, they're in the family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, it makes yeah. life so much easier as well. Like the more things that are like you know, not necessarily in-house, but on the same street as you, the better. Like Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Connor also produced um, my show that I did last week, How Society Fucks Black Girls and Tells Them They Like It. And I have to say, thank you for not going, oh, for God's sake, D, like tone it down when that no. was what I said I wanted to do. But no. like... I mean, so I am a, a big white dude and you know regardless of any of my intersectionality like points um you know when someone comes to you and says hey i'm talking about race or gender or the best thing i can do is shut up and let them present it in the way that like actually they want to express it in because it's not up to me to say uh, i think you shouldn't use vulgarity in this no you're angry about the thing be angry that's what swear words are for yeah absolutely they are yeah. i'm gonna have to put an explicit content on this one i've never oh, had God. to do it yet <laughs> i've really been trying not to swear so far and then like you said it and I'm, i normally let like ooh. one slip one might slip during an episode but fuck it well I'll, I'll stick explicit content warning yeah. on this one and, and like, people will have to confirm that they're 18 to listen to it i'm sure yeah, I mean, that it'll like, be fine come on it, we're, we're writers to not use absolutely to limit our ability to express ourselves through language and that's censorship fuck censorship you know people say like um oh you're a writer you must have an absolutely massive vocabulary why would you use that word and i'm like i am a writer i have a massive huge like vocabulary and i have decided out of all the words i know that's the one i need yeah uh, if, if someone says how do you refer to that thing and you use the name for that thing they're not going to go oh well you shouldn't have used that word because there's a much more technical word that you could use bollocks right, to that right. that's the word it is right. it's the word it's absolutely the word and yeah the first time i performed at Unislam, i i used the c word i Good. i said you shouldn't call my vagina a frou-frou you should call it a cunt not a front bottom uh, one of the oldest words that we have in a testable history too. Um, it comes from the Proto-Indo-European C-W-M, which obviously Quim, um, and Queen, meaning obviously the highest ranking woman in a country. It, it's literally one of the like the oldest words that we have. And oh, to, yeah. to like put it as this thing that's 
that's like the height of, of vulgarity is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah. uh, um, yeah. a, friend, a friend of mine on Facebook was actually talking about they have a workshop called uh, How to Swear. Well, there is a um, rhythm to it, isn't there? Yeah. There, like, there really is. The George Carlin is. thing, isn't it? The seven words you can't say on TV. And he's like, but they're all great. They're they all are. Great it's just such a shame that George Carlin stole everything from Lenny Bruce. Don't start me off on that. Yeah, <laughs> a bit I, like when people go, Dennis O'Leary. I'm like, oh, you mean like the Liddles version of Bill Hicks? Yeah. 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 But no one knew it was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Right. See, we've got into a conversation. I hadn't even finished my part. intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew this was how it's going to be. So yes. I am going to finish this intro if it kills us. Cool. Um, <laughs> So where had I got to? Oh, yes, my publisher performed many of the shows I've performed, including How Society Fucks Black Girls and Tells Them They Like It, and many, many shows I've done for Winchester Fest. The fact that I actually have, I think, the wherewithal, the confidence, and the technical know-how to do a podcast now, I blame entirely on getting involved in Winchester Fest. I think what we did there was something absolutely phenomenal and we changed how poetry is accessed i'd like to think so yeah it was a big thing people go oh so you can do like poetry readings on zoom oh hell yes you can in fact have a look at winchester fest that was 102 days yeah eighty thousand unique viewers yeah uh, yeah. to that i mean it's it's not the same as doing it uh in person no but you know, what have we done for accessibility to people who um, who have uh, disabilities that don't let them leave the house, um, parents who can't get out because of their kids? You know, I think that going forward, the, the new normal should be live gigs, um, hybrid models and online stuff. We should be doing more, not less. Absolutely. In fact, why are we not? Why are we not already streaming live gigs? Well, this is the thing. This is, is the thing. Unislam are doing it now. I mentioned yeah. this in last week's episode that um, for Unislam next year, what they're doing is we're sending in videos for the preliminary rounds and those who are in the semifinals and then eventually the finals will be still going to Birmingham, reco- performing in a socially distanced way, still in the space that we always do in the Patrick Theatre at the Hippodrome Ooh. and it will be live streamed. That's it. I've been pitching to people that, like, if you normally charge £5 to get into into the gig, why don't you set up a live stream and put a quid on that? Yeah. Or a pay what you feel like access to the stream so that, number one, you're covering your, like, tech costs that, that come involved there. And you're still uh, saying that people should pay for poetry. But yeah. you're also making it really accessible for people who, you know, can't get out to that gig. And plus, you can fit more people on a live stream than you can in a venue, especially a poetry venue. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, the meme that's made me laugh the most over lockdown is like, no more than six people in one place. I'll say you still do spoken word gigs then. Yeah. <laughs> six is double the audience some people get. I'm like, like spilling some, that's the tea here, folks. So... <laughs> So I'm very, very, as you can tell, I'm very bloody excited Connor is here. Um, And this is going to be how this goes. I'm going to say stuff. He is going to say stuff. We're going to end up giggling and swearing a lot. So I hope you've got yourself a nice brew before you sat down and started. So this week we'll do we'll do the formatty stuff first. (laughs) 
Um, because I know my Roger, my, my faithful re- listener Roger, he does like that it's structured. Um, so this week I have been mostly reading Chick by Hannah Lowe. It is an amazing, amazing look into what it means to grow up as a mixed race child of a mixed race father who is also largely absent. Um, my dad isn't mixed. Well, I suppose he is because... To be honest, everybody in Trinidad's kind of mixed because of how slavery went down and then how religion went down and then how everybody wanting Trinidad because of its proximity to South America went down. But he is Trinidadian. He's from Trinidad and Tobago. But I really did identify with the themes in this collection. It's beautifully and at times almost painfully written. There are sharp edges to these poems. I really do suggest that you give it a try. It hits home for me because in this book, Hannah Lowe is talking about her feelings after her dad died. Now it's hitting home for me because my dad's getting old. Um, He's in his eighties. Well, and bearing in mind that that's practically adolescent on the Trinidad side of the the family and he could have another 30 years in him yet. I am not even joking. This year, especially this year, it's dawned on me that life is short isn't just something I say to justify having another shot when I should really switch to water. The poem I'm reading from this collection is called Three Treasures. And it is about being mixed from three sides. Her her mum's English and her dad is half black and half Chinese Jamaican. So this is Three Treasures. Jamaica in the attic in a dark blue trunk. Sea salt in the hinges. What must it look like, all that wide blue sea? England downstairs in a rocking chair. Nana rocking with her playing cards, cigs and toffee, tepid tea. Jamaica frying chicken in the kitchen. Pig snout in the stew pot, breakfast pan of saltfish ackee. China in the wonton skin, gold sunbird on on the brittle porcelain, pink pagoda silk settee. Jamaica in the statues, lignum vitae heads of dreadlocks, Anansi, rebel spider in the storybooks, the poetry. England eating peaches on the patio, hopscotching, mum in wellies, secateurs around the rosebush and the raspberries. England painting midnight with a sparkler, cousins throwing guy forks on the bonfire, orange ash confetti. England for the English in graffiti on roundabouts and bus shelters. Please, sir, on TV. Jamaica on the phone at 3am. My father's back home voice through fuzz and crack. My friend, long time no see. China in the Cantonese he knew but wouldn't speak in letters stuffed in shoeboxes, inkstick calligraphy. China in his slender bones, in coral birds of stitched bamboo. China in an origami butterfly that flew. So that was Three Treasures from Chick by Hannah Lowe. Oh, you're right, Con. Yeah, I had to cough at one point during that, and I was like, I've done "No, must not cough." And I, I loved that because it was just so. 
it was like the butterfly flitting from one thing to the other and resting sometimes upon things. It wasn't Jamaica, China, England, Jamaica, China, England. There was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was way, more, way more unified than, um, than it could have been. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that it wasn't, um, just the the cultures mentioned but like personalities that derive from those cultures um, yeah from a, an immigrant uh sort of standpoint and um, you know there are personality traits that come with us through our sort of like the the blend of our family heritage that like, yeah I really love when that's spoken about because sometimes it's cultures that make us up aren't always visible or um, they're not something that we like fly the flag of, but there's still like there's still a little like brick within the wall of you that is, you know, like there's a little brick in me that says Inuit and another one that says Jewish, but they're not like things that I go out and say like I am a, you know, uh, an Inuit Jewish. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the only nationality that I ever really embrace is Scottish. Um, because, you know, big ginger beard, it's hard to, to hide. But yeah. You know, there are there are things that are drawn from there that come through like family members that I can go, oh, yeah, my mum's this way because of my nan was this way because my grandnan was this way, and that means I'm this way because of yeah. the reaction to each other. I love that. It's it's great, isn't it? And the, the other thing that occurred to me was I hadn't thought ever about my dad's back home voice. Mm. And he does my dad, right, is a barrister and he sounds like Trevor McDonald. Yeah, like he he proper sounds like Trevor McDonald. It's it's scary sometimes. I'm yeah. like Dad when he's on the telly, if I can't see him. But when he's back home, he he uses words like liming, oh. and he uses like patois words, and and he'll say things like. I don't know, ardo bread instead of hard dough bread. And it's like, I love yeah. it. I there's love that he does that. this. There's an element of class in it as well. Yeah. Though, though he is, even in his own country, he is a man of much renown. Mm. He is a very respected man. He, he qualified here and then he went back to Trinidad and set up his own practice. And then he worked... Um, he was this essentially he was the DA in oh, Trinidad wow. yeah he was yeah he got he raised very high they offered him the position of being a judge and um, he said he'd be bored so this, <laughs> this is my dad right and no idea where I get it from no, no. Um, so even though even with that he still will talk like a country boy sometimes mm. When he thinks no one else is listening, he'll still speak like a country boy. And I think there's going to be a poem coming out of that at some point. There's a, a few friends that my my Phoenician slips out around. Yeah. Um, normally, I like to think I'm quite well spoken. I got a lot growing up. Oh, you don't have to talk posh, don't they? Because uh, uh, South London's beach like holiday and that's like what built our culture it's why we don't have the um the kent accent we have a south london accent here um yeah. Uh, and yeah there are a few friends like my mates who grew up on council estates and when we, we get together gradually you start hearing us drop t's and like uh, two h becomes f's 
and it gradually goes through and by the end of it you're like yes bud fan it and uh, fan it. Fan it. <laughs> it, 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 it devolves like gradually and we become more and more ourselves really- it's hilarious I mean, my do- my kids are, are mostly birmingham i mean james was born in hastings but he's lived in the midlands for most of his life like for the, apart from the first three months mm. and um they would come down to Worthing every summer and spend the summer in Worthing with me. And it'd be like, and they'd go back and people would say, where have you been? And they'd be like, Worthing. <laughs> <laughs> how, what? And it's like, so how is your mum? How old is she now? 30. <laughs> um, These little brunnies with their mad Southern accents. Yeah, I, it, it's amazing, like, who we who we are when we're... Uh, able to be our most true selves around other people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And plus, I mean, I have this, the whole echolalia thing going as Mm. well because of the autism. And it's, it's, I pick up other people's accents really easily and find myself mirroring them. And it has got me into trouble once or twice, but people understand who I am now. Um, My granddad moved to to Devon when I was like uh, eight maybe and I like instantly developed a Devonshire accent yeah or like the the the, the pattern of and then when he'd come down here and my mum would be talking to him she'd start doing it and I'd be like you realize like you've got an accent from someone who's picked up an accent like um do I and then the next year she's like oh god gotta do uh-huh. yeah, yeah we just all all pick up accents really like but it makes makes life fun, doesn't it? Oh yeah, especially but it's got, like got, but it's got to the point where I don't know what my actual accent is. No, who I what my accent is when I'm being my true authentic self? I'm not sure. I think it's this, but I don't know. No, um, I, I I know that mine is a mix of watching Open University and. Margate in the 90s council estate like yeah but which one is like which which side of that is actually me and which one am I putting on yeah I think think people from mixed race households I mean I'm talking for them I'm not them um might have a bit of that that comes from like where their their heritages are I mean there is this whole like code switching thing isn't there Mm. That's the that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. There is the whole code switching thing, and they and I was listening to a podcast, Ology's podcast. I'm going to pimp someone else's podcast because it's fantastic. It's like you download a different special interest every week and just dive in. Um, <laughs> it, it's great, um, but they're talking about how this disadvantages children from black backgrounds because they're essentially being taught in a language that isn't native to them Mm. so whereas the white kids are being taught in a language they speak fluently that the black kids are speaking like african-american and english yeah. So it's two different things. It's, oh, it's fascinating. I'm going to put a link to that episode in the show notes. So anybody who wants to hear it can. My poem of this week that I am reading is because I've been talking about my dad is I'm going to read 18 to 10. And I did read this on 
on how society fucks black girls and I'm really quite fond of it it's one of those ones that I've not edited a single word on it just came out fully formed so it's obviously been in my head a while so this is 18 to 10 my dad used to say he worked 18 to 10 twice as many hours as everyone else as it took him more brain power to get through a day that always started with the same shouted joke looking browned off today Lloyd if I didn't pretend to find your casual racism funny I would never have anyone to talk to in the office would never get promotion never get a moment's peace I would never get the job in the first place if I didn't chuckle and say ha ha yeah good one we are all insert stereotype here I would stand out. I would stand out as the Negro. I would stand out as the uppity Negro. I would be the black girl with the chip on her shoulder. I would be the one who has no sense of humour, no bants, no crack, no sense of humour. I would be the one who had to watch yourself around. Ah, careful now, she'd be off to HR, that one. No, you cannot touch my hair. So I chuckle at your jokes and give it back but not as good as I get. As good as I get would destroy you. At the cooler, I might ask you if water wasn't a bit spicy for you. How hard is it for you to find underwear an extra small? Go on, Karen, show us your white girl dancing. Must be great to have that little rhythm. What does every recipe in your cookbook say? Boil it, get it? Ah, uh, she doesn't mind. It's one of us, really. Head in the clouds. You busy thinking of all the countries you want to invade and rape? So yeah, so that's 18 to 10 and it takes a bit of a turn and I make no apology for that. <laughs> and, and I wrote it basically when I was at my writing group and we were talking about race in the workplace and somebody who I won't name said something along the lines of, well, we've got a black guy at, at work and we do give him stick but he doesn't mind. He gives as good as he gets. And I was like, I promise you he don't. Mm. I absolutely promise you he doesn't. And the whole um, looking browned off today, Lloyd, is, is a true story. My dad worked for the civil service in Haringey for a long time while he was studying. And every morning, looking browned off today, Lloyd. <laughs> and it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just saying about having to having to spend more energy learning an entirely different language to be taught in. Yeah, I don't think people realise how uh, draining the cis white heteronormative world is. Yeah, don't fit into to that 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 bubble it's absolutely draining like why would anyone willingly subject themselves to it right it's um it's all the the, the little microaggressions as well that a lot of the time people don't even realize they're performing and because they don't realize they're doing it when you point it out they get quite upset mm. well that's fine get upset and then examine your behavior and change it that's yeah. that's it that's that's absolutely it. So we are at the point of the show that I really, really love. Makes me smile every time. 
it's the guest interview. I really do need a jingle. <laughs> I'm going to go like guest interview. Here's Connor. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a few questions now. So the very first one is just the one of little or no import. Why is poetry important to you? Uh, poetry is really important to me because it was there when I really needed something. Um, I didn't go to, to uni to, to do literature. Well, I did at one point, long story. Um, I reached my lowest point mentally and the, it was like my last ditch like attempt to do something was to start a publishing company. And I got involved in the poetry scene and suddenly there were people who kind of got some of the stuff that I was like trying to deal with and gave me an opportunity to, to pick apart what was going on in my head. Um, you know, that, that nothing else was there for me. It was poetry that was there because of the community. And that's why I spent a lot of time dealing with community stuff within poetry and doing like you know, analytics of like, and career progression stuff, because, um, I want these things to be, to the, I want the community to be richer. So someone else who's in that, like boat that I was in can get that. Um, you know, it, it, it's this one time when everyone has to shut up and listen to you talk about something. And if you're dealing with like depression, anxiety, you're used to the world talking over you, you know? And yeah. it, it's, it's just an opportunity for, I'm going to get up on stage. I'm going to talk about how I feel. And you're going to, you're going to sit there. You're going to listen. And then at the end of it, you're going to give me at the very least a nice polite golf clap. Absolutely right. Minimum you're going to give me. That is the minimum amount of respect you're going to get when you get off, like when you finish your piece is you're going to get a, and normally you're going to get way more than that. You know? It, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that I need applause in my life, but at the same time, if we could like, when people came to you as like as a friend and were like hey i'm really struggling recently if the first thing that you could say is thank you for coming to me that that's an incredibly empowering like thing in the in the in the process and yeah poetry delivers that as like default every single time i love it yeah it does i hadn't I mean, even thought of it like that thing. that's a really nice thing as well sorry <laughs> it also pays my bills so well that's, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> I've yet to get to the point where it pays my bills, but honestly, I'm a poet, so I expect to die poor. <laughs> You're a student right now. like I am, yeah. I am a student yeah. right now. Um, and about to sign up for another six years. Because <laughs> nice. of course I am. Um, so, so yeah, that's actually a really good way of looking at it, because you might not need the applause, but it is really bloody nice to have some validation. Yeah. And especially, and I think what what happens there as well is a mutual exchange. Yeah. Because not only are you getting, are you being allowing being allowed to speak, but for those who haven't got to the point where they can write it or say it, yeah, even hearing that somebody else knows can be really important to people. Yeah, I mean, even if you if you have been up on the stage and you talk about it, and then someone else comes up and they talk about it as well, you think, hang on a minute, you know, I'm not alone in all this. It's no. why I really hate when people are involved in the poetry scene for themselves. 
or when I hear people talk about poetry and they talk about like, oh, every time I do the piece, I leave a little bit of the pain behind. I'm like, well, you're just trying to treat the audience like a therapist. Yeah. I've dialogue it's a dialogue because it's not just about performing it's about listening as well every yeah. single time. I get more ideas for poetry on the way back from gigs than I do like any who's <laughs> like even right. more than a performer of poetry I like to think I'm a listener of poetry I'm word. I'm a lover of poetry Alex Alex Culver you know Alex um he has a poem called the letter t um, about his experience as a trans man Ooh. and he performed that at UNICEF it's on the internet I'm going to link that as well because there's a, a link to that he performed that wearing a three-piece suit looking dapper as shit in front of Travis Alabanza oh, I fucking love suits. <laughs> it's like I still yeah. get goosebumps even thinking about it and I asked and I, the, that poem, I personally needed to hear. Mm. My daughter person personally needed to hear. And I am certain that there were other people in that room who personally yeah. needed to hear that poem. So it's not, it's the being seen, it's not feeling invisible. And when you live life in the margins, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's part of why poets on the whole these days tend not to be uh like just straight white dudes yeah it's a more diverse scene than it's ever been from the 80s onwards yeah and i think it's because the the live aspect of poetry started becoming a really big thing yeah and i think that that's had just the most incredible um knock-on effect in, in who it is in poetry now and i think when people look back in 200 years of poetry of the last like 30 years, 40 years, they're not going to be saying dead white men. No. And I'm, this is, this is one of the main reasons I set up this podcast is because people would go poetry, <gasps> boring. And it, it's so not, it's absolutely not. And you're talking about like it being a diverse space, right? Talia Stitcher has a, um, is like the most amazing, wonderfully queer poet who's doing amazing queer poetry, who has a poem called My Team is So Gay for Your Team Ooh. and includes the line, my team is so gay. No, really, most of us are queer. And it's just fantastic. She's doing amazing work. I'm, I so want to get Talia on the show. <laughs> she's just she's incredible Raina Griefu is writing stuff about trauma Ooh. we got Flo Cornell writing stuff. we got um what's her name Dammy is right Dammy Lola is writing yeah. stuff about having a smear test I am um, one of my my big hats I run uh the bookie slam like, yeah and they let me pick it like they let me I run the gig I get to pick out headliners and they're like, um, you know, pick out whoever you think is going to be the best headliner. And so far, every single time I've picked someone of colour uh, because of the, the representation aspect, but also just because so many of the best poets in the UK right now happen to be people of colour, queer people. They happen to be othered. And I tell you what, we get people come to that gig who don't come to poetry events because they've yeah. seen themselves on stage, on the flyer, like up there. And yeah. it, it's 
absolutely incredible. And there's a reason why it's the biggest gig down this way. It's because, like, I mean, partly because we're getting people like Inwar Elums and, uh, you yeah. know, Dean Atta, Selena Gone, like, headlining the bill. But, yeah, it's just absolutely incredible seeing a different audience there because yeah. on stage and because they're speaking to them. I, I, I love that I get to be a part of facilitating that. But, yeah. You know, I love that people are being really excited about coming on this podcast and and like Setra last week, bless her, she was so excited and she just smiled the whole way through. It was lovely being able to do uh, that. I've got a Facebook message that just came up from her literally like five minutes ago and it says, I'm really looking forward to working more with Dee. She has really good energy. I'm like, she does. Yay! She has the best energy. (laughs) Yay! So this is really Uh, cool. So next question... Cool. Are you writing? And if so, what sort of stuff are you writing? Uh, I am writing at the moment. I'm I'm going really slow. So I did. Obviously, part of being a publisher, I kind of have to set like the the pace for what a publishing poet like does. And I know there are some people who put out like a book every year. But part of me is like, have you put out a book every year? Is it? the best book that it could be. And that's really what I wanted to see, the best book. So I spent uh, four years on my first book. There's only two poems in there from my very first year of like writing poetry. Um, so I spent four years on that. And then people were like, oh, when are you gonna do, do the next one? Like a year later. And I was like, I'm still not done touring the first book in my head, but I've said 2023 and I've been saying this for a year. Um, like why so long? I'm like, because I want it to be really good. Yeah, the first book was the best book I think I could have made at that time and this is going to be the best book I could have made then um, and so what I'm trying to do is um, so I come from a town called Margate um, I am so Margatonian it says on my birth certificate Margate Hospital Margate Hospital changed its name in like 94, 96 to the QEQM so just stamping that Margate Hospital I get a lot of people go, oh, are you from like a Margate originally? I'm born and bred, born and raised. Like I have been here since 1990. And I'm not saying that London started moving down here because I was here, but I was here first. <laughs> and yeah, I, sometimes people forget that like part of the reason London started coming down to Margate again was because we were, we were doing cool things. Yeah. Not just you came and then you start doing cool things. We were doing cool things first. Yeah. So um, what I'm trying to do at the moment, the first book was about my uh, recovery from depression. It was about um, a relationship that absolutely destroyed me. It's a fictionalized narrative, the last night of the relationship and like breaking up, going to a bar, getting drunk, hooking up with strangers and then taking the, the train back to home, but home being a different place. And, you know, it's about the change of like who I was between um, like 2014 and, and like 2017 or however it was I can't remember the years uh 2007 to 2010 there we go um but this next book is about how uh how much I love Margate um like the actual Margate not the the Guardians oh one of the best places to live top three for Londoners to move it's the actual Margate it's the um you know, liking the pubs that you know that if you go there and you like stand up at a certain time, yeah, I'm going to get someone to start a fight with you. I kind of like that personality like in yeah. there. Um, you know, so the book starts from 
the the narrator literally washing up on the sea after a, an attempted suicide um and then what occurs after that is a uh i'm trying to channel like a little bit of blake here like the um intensity of like color and sight and sound um and have this this really textural experience of of the place and um, that's not this clean sanitized version of margate it's the margate that i've always known um and yeah it's a love letter to to the place so i've said 2023 it's going to take as long as it's going to take really yeah um, it's got to be right that's it you know if i get three poems a year like out of it but they're all absolutely like that's it that's yeah. the poem then you know I'm I'm happy to take as long as it takes on it. Um, I want the Whereas me, I'm completely different. I'm the other end of the spectrum. As Connor knows, I'm like, I am I can't stop writing. No, but also with with you, there's so many things that affect you in ways that don't affect me. Yeah. That, you know, putting your voice across there is really important to state those claims. You know, you've done. We've got a, a book on race and a book on autism. In, in the inbox at the moment and you know society does not look at me and treat me any differently I'm not angry about how society looks at me or how it engages with me I'm a six foot three white guy like I didn't even realize certain parts of my neighborhood were rough until like someone else pointed out to me you really shouldn't wear headphones when you go through that part of town I'm like really and then I thought crap it's because I'm gigantic like yeah. you know it, it I've got a different experience of the world. So if, you know, if society was, you know, on the off foot from me, then I'd have more to say there. But, um, you know, anger is the best thing that fuels anything. You know, Johnny Rotten, regardless of all his other bullshit, did put out the best, like, bit of advice, anger is an energy. Yeah, there is that. And then he went on to shield butter. Yeah. Tory. Um, Interesting story. I met him, right, when I was seven. Oh, wow. I met the Sex Pistols when I was seven. My mum used to work at the Finsbury Park Empire, otherwise known as the Rainbow Theatre in Finsbury yeah. Park. And she couldn't, she worked there as an usher and couldn't always get a babysitter. So she used to bring us along. We'd sit up the back, watch whatever gig was on, and then go and sit in the green room. Now, we weren't allowed to go and watch them play, but in came the Sex Pistols, <laughs> while me and my two sisters are sat there. So my sister Diane is five years old at the time, right? Johnny Rotten comes up to her, ruffles her on the head, and says, you're quite cute, aren't you? Yeah. And Diane says, your teeth need cleaning. Uh, amazing. It, was, it was at that uh, point I fell in love with Sid Vicious and that's never gone away but <laughs> but yeah that's yeah. my Johnny Rotten story <laughs> um, yeah I mean, one of the other things that differs between like me and you as, as writers is um, I have no education on how to write so I have to try like a million things before something's going to stick whereas you know you're going through the process of actually being like given tools. I, I have to yeah. develop my own tools and stumble across like bullshit and hope that someone 
who's going through like traditional education on it occasionally goes like oh you know if you tweak it like this then it if you yeah. ever sent me your stuff connor i'd be happy to do so <laughs> it'll happen it'll happen but i, I i'm very <laughs> about the process yeah and, uh, and how much of it is me and at the end uh, oh you know, i get it i mean whether sh- whether sh- it's done. i mean when I mean, Cetera loving my energy or not, it's still quite a big deal because this is the first time I've had to give my poetry to an editor. Mm. I've never let go like this before. And that's really, really quite something. There has to be, I think this goes back to what we were saying about whiskey and beards being more like a family. There has mm. to be that trust there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why it's important that the people that, that are involved are nice people. Yeah. Yeah because otherwise you can't you can't do that yeah um, but yeah i mean I've, I've done a few writing groups where you do like group feedback and what's normally happened is i disagree with every single thing that's been said because you know I'm what that's valid right? though yeah that's so valid because there are people who will say to me um you don't want to use the word like ghost you might want to use spirit instead oh, and i'm like words. Oh. and i'm like actually no for what i want to say i have i mean i think the message there is question your word choices and that's not an that's not yeah. an unemployment unimportant message but the way it's delivered sometimes seems so supercilious yeah and it can really be off-putting right can it, we move on to the next question oh yeah, yeah sure let's go because yeah. <laughs> we've only done two out of the four so <laughs> okay so what are you reading in the whole re- good writers read what are you reading uh right now i've got uh i've got three books on the go i was gonna say how many books are you reading <laughs> yeah normally I, I i have to have multiple books on the go at any given time um i've got really big into creative nonfiction lately um, okay like uh, personal things so i've just finished off um explore everything by dr bradley garrett which is about urban exploration. He spent like, I think it's like four years involved in the British urban exploration scene. And he talks about it from a, like an academic point of view. It's not just about like, hey, look at these cool places I broke into. It's about the value of trespass as like a, a way of reclaiming uh, space within a city. Like the uh, urban architecture is designed to cut you off from things uh, there's a whole he says there's a whole city above you that you're not allowed access to so to to hop a fence climb the uh the la- the the elevator shaft like on a building site and to take a look at london from the top of a building that's not been finished yet is a is an act of reclaiming it or like pushing down the fence with a group of people and having a rave on a bit of property that's been deemed private um is like super important for that that mindset so I've been I've been reading that uh, recently finished that off and the bit that I've picked up after that is I've got uh, Ikigai for um, uh, leaders and organisations which is a Westernisation form of a Japanese uh, theory about finding balance in your life. Um, it's uh, it's a blend of like um, trying to find what is your like purpose and calling and like find happiness so it's um what you love to do what you're good at doing what the world needs and what you can like make a living from um and the idea is if you've got like two or three of those you, it might be a calling it might be a passion it might be just a vocation um but if you can find something that puts you in the middle 
then you found like balance and happiness and apparently you will live a longer life there. Nice. Um, Alternatively, move to Trinidad and the average life expectancy is about 150. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, uh, why China and Japan got the like these great uh, longevities to, to yeah. their um, So I've also got um, Raymond Entrobus's The Perseverance. Uh, just started that, like cracked the cover on that recently. Um, I started a book club last week impulsively while on a stream hey i should start a book club so i did um started it uh recommended that everyone go to my indie bookstore to my local indie bookstore to, to place their orders and then realized the next morning hey i should probably check that they can fulfill these orders so I was like oh heads up uh <laughs> <you might have laughs> orders for, for like, like 30 orders for uh, for raymond antrobus um i'm really looking forward to that um I really want to encourage more of my friends to read contemporary use of spoken word and, and poetry, but uh, it can be very hard to know what to pick up. Like what's the important things going on at the time in poetry? You know, there's loads of books coming out, more books than, than ever. How do you pick the ones that give you the most flavor of uh, British spoken word? And yeah, the, something like what are the, what are the landmarks that like in five years time people go, Oh, that book. Um, and I think the perseverance is one of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're going to cycle through. Um, every book has to be picked from the last three years. Nice. Yeah, which which was trying to go quite cutting edge. So Do you know how to... much I had to sit on my hands to not go? Oh, I'll get involved in that because <laughs> I've I mean... got that much to read for uni. <laughs> right seriously yeah. it's like i cannot add anything more to the reading i'm doing yeah. a master's in creative writing i'm reading a book a week for this podcast and it's like i cannot physically read well, anymore what i've been thinking is when we're able to do this in person there's people uh on the the list who are like up north in yorkshire what i was thinking is that we we have like a home, like central group. Yeah. Um, so I've picked the first book. Then the next like session, the first person to call out the book that they, they want the rest of the group to win, uh, read. We're going to read that group. But then we will tell the other groups, this is what we're reading. Just so we, we're all kind of doing the same thing. And hopefully we got a Facebook groups so and people can like also talk between the groups. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. This community of readers. And you never know, in a decade when I'm finished with my studies, I might be able to join in. Put <laughs> yeah. everything on the list. Like yeah, everything on the list. Well, this yeah. is why, actually, this is one of the reasons um, when I started doing this podcast, I was sort of quite concerned with what the naming conventions for the episodes were going to be. So in the end, I came up with the poet who we've got as a guest and the poet who I'm reading from as the mm. episode name so then if people want to to access that work then all they need to do is copy and paste those names yeah so that was that was really important to me right so talking about poems yeah. who are you going to read for us from somebody else uh i'm gonna read charles bukowski um, nice. he's one of my favorite writers if not a terrible human being um the, the poem that I'm, I'm reading is uh, So You Want to Be a Writer. Um, okay. Which is built on this refrain of don't do it. And I've 
some people have said like oh that's a really like that's a dick move telling people not to do it but my argument is if it takes one person saying don't do it to stop you doing it then you don't want it enough yeah or like don't take it as advice argue against it so yeah that's 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 my my pick cool let's hear it then uh the floor is yours so you want to be a writer if it doesn't come bursting out of you in spite of everything don't do it unless it comes unasked out of your heart and your mind and your mouth and your gut don't do it if you have to sit for hours staring at your computer screen or hunched over your typewriter searching for words don't do it if you're doing it for money or fame don't do it if you're doing it because you want women in your bed don't do it if you have to sit there and rewrite it again and again don't do it if it's hard work just thinking about doing it don't do it if you're trying to write like somebody else forget about it if you have to wait for it to roar out of you and then wait patiently if it never does roar out of you do something else if you have to first read it to your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your parents or to anybody at all you're not ready don't be like so many writers don't be like so many thousands of people who call themselves writers don't be dull and boring and pretentious don't be consumed with self-love the libraries of the world have yawned themselves to sleep over your kind don't add to that don't do it unless it comes out of your soul like a rocket unless being still would drive you to madness or suicide or murder don't do it unless the sun inside you is burning your gut don't do it when it's truly time and if you have been chosen it will do it by itself and it will keep on doing it until you die or it dies in you there is no other way and there never was Uh, I love that work. I love it as a yeah. starting point to talk about the philosophy of like what it means to be a practicing writer uh, yeah. as an artist. And I, yeah, I agree with, uh, you know, the libraries of the world have yawned, yawned itself to sleep over pretentious and dull writers. Like, it, that uh, was the line that jumped out at me. It's uh, just the shade. What I love about Bukowski is he was able to put things across in words that everyone knew. Um, yeah. I think if you're using, I've always prided myself on using simple language. And it's not that I don't know big, complicated words. My favorite word is plesianism, um, pleonism, sorry, which is the use of one long word when a series of smaller words <laughs> is yeah. itself. And I love that. Um, but it, it's, if I sit there on stage, and someone in the room goes, I have no idea what's been said. That to me is a failing in my craft. Yeah. If I read it and people go, I like it because it challenged me. And I thought um, that because I didn't get it, it was smart. And therefore I should like it because it's smart, which I think happens with a lot of modern TV. Then, you know, I've also failed in my craft. If they say it challenged me, but I got there and it was amazing, like the revelation that's a success yeah like, that's, that's the sweet spot yeah um, yeah 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 funnily enough at uni we talk about that sweet spot or we do call it the sweet spot yeah um when you when you do your poem do people change their facial expressions mm. when you'll read when i hear the line about the libraries 
yawning themselves to sleep. I went, oh, it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah. Do I know you you don't, you're not supposed to do things for the applause, but I really love clicking. Um, Me too. I've just heard a little bit that I like. And one of the things I always say at the beginning of gigs is this is a pro clicking area. I know it's wanky. I know it's bullshit, but it, we all know it is. It's an in-joke. We're all in together and it doesn't interrupt the flow. If you like something, just let us know. Absolutely. Um, you know, the worst, the, the funniest thing ever was um, at Unislam. And I talk about Unislam like some people talk about band camp. Seriously. <laughs> I am aware of this. One time at Unislam, um, <laughs> I was I was rehearsing and my husband is is a writer and he writes amazing urban fantasy horror like really good but he's not a poet and he doesn't pretend to understand poetry um but he came along to support me because he's a good man and a good husband and <laughs> and I was I was rehearsing a poem and he started clicking yeah. and it completely threw me not because of the clicking, but because it was him clicking. Poetry is a culture. Like poetry is a subculture. You know, when you get the clicking is a thing that we do. Yeah, yeah. You kind of like got the culture. And then that's the other thing we do is during a slam in a slam context where it's competitive, we're kind and clicking yeah. is kind and there is a real kindness about if a poem poet starts to stumble and forget what they're doing through nerves and they pause rather than letting them stand there and drown you click click yeah. to fill the gaps yeah you click to fill the gaps until they can get themselves back together and then they get going again and you stop clicking it's it's one beautiful my, and it's kind one of my favorite human beings in the kentish poetry scene tommy carver chaplin right yeah and he comes from uh, the world of battle rap yeah he's review battle rap in london and um you'll like deliver a line and you'll be like in that like little pause and you'll just hear him go mm, let's go and i'm like yeah ah oh, when i hear that you get a little bit a little bit, yeah. back, a little bit into it. come on like rocky up the stairs kind of moment yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like this thing other people have started saying it now because it just hypes us up and yeah, um, yeah. I did a I did a gig beginning of the year for um, Fabsham Lit Fest. Um, it was a massive gig, three hundred people. Luke Wright headlining, absolutely incredible. And um, there was a review from someone who'd never been to a poetry show, and they said, "I thought it was supposed to be a competition, but the poets were the biggest fans of the other poets." Yeah. And there's this whole culture where everyone loves each other's work. And, and I was like, exactly that is what we're trying to do. And if you can't get poets behind poetry. What are you doing? Come on, like, be better. Like, seriously, when they announced that Bristol had won, you'd have thought Cardiff had won it. Yeah. We were going mad. Fantastic. I want them to win. I want we to were screaming. Fantastic. There was screaming, there was foot stamping. It was, it's incredible. If you've That's not it. been to a live poetry thing, when we are back on like kind of the new normal terms, listeners, seriously, you have to go. It is life changing. It is door opening. It's 
it's the nearest I've got to religious experience. And I know that sounds pretentious and wanky, but I don't fucking care. It's one of the great incredible. things about Uniform as well is because of the, the nature of it, it's a great way to see like what's going on at the grassroots of the scene to yeah. catch people that in like five, six years time are going to be the big tickets like in poetry, like get in there early, see them like, not when they're not as good because they're, incredible and that's why they're yeah, going to yeah. wake up but to see them all together and see where it all starts from is it, that's incredible like you know and if you're a publisher watch uni slam so you can see who you're going to be publishing in three years time absolutely so, on, do it i hate when people are, um, are anti-slam um because they take it too seriously and there's always going to be one person who wants to like win a slam more than they love their kids but yeah. everyone else is going to be like absolutely in it and enjoying it for the hell of it okay because this is by bloody podcast and we are already so far over the time we normally take sod it we're having a bumper episode and i'm going to before i ask you to read your poem from you i'm going to so you can headline it obviously um i'm gonna read the poem i wrote about unislam on yeah. the way home from yes. unislam and they have a thing there where the points are not the point the poetry is the po the point. The founder of Poetry Slam in Chicago. Yeah. The points are not the point. And yeah, it's said that many times over the weekend. So this is bonus poem from me. This is Can We Talk? And I haven't read this one for a long while. So if I stumble over it, apologies. Can we talk about how in calling us a community you mispronounce family? Can we talk about how it is a family you actually enjoy being a part of? Can we talk about a safe space where no one has to wince at an incoming pronoun, where they's and them's roll off tongues belonging to surrogate parents, where acceptance is the default and not something to be prized from unwilling hands? Can we talk about how gender norms are left at the door and the only comments are made are those designed to elevate? Can we talk about the neurodivergence? Sorry, can we talk about the neurodivergence, the allowing ourselves to be visible, the allowing ourselves to be, the getting to feel normal, the getting to feel comfortable? Can we talk about feeling at home in a theater with a family that we aren't afraid of, don't have to hide behind gritted grimaces to escape from, the whiffs of connection between person and person, the hugs and the handholding where would usually be aversion? Can we talk about the tears shed? cleansing healing uniting can we talk about voices gone from throats still circling around the guts of the poet settling into the flora fauna flotsam jetsam sinking through skins becoming part of the whole can we talk about the points not being the point can we talk about the poetry being the point can we talk about how everything that leaves our mouths is now poetry can we talk about the permission we gave to be poetry? Can we talk about all how we do is poetry? Can we talk about how I should be studying, but instead I'm writing poetry? 
Can we talk about how we talk about poetry? Vocalize about poetry, snap fingers that hurt so bad to poetry, but still we will do it as a way to take on the pain of the poet, to relieve them of their burden for even a moment, to honor their bravery, their generosity. Tell them, we see them, we know them, we love them. Can we talk about the family, the collectivity, the connectivity? Can we sit together, loudly or quietly? Can we talk? Yeah. That is just, I always get really emotional when I read that poem. So headlining Dickens and Quips podcast. Connor, what are you going to read to us from, from yours? And feel free to read more than one because sod it. Let's do this. Um, so I read a poem that's in my first book. Uh, it's called Quantum Love Notes from a Typewriter Attached to a Phone. Um, one of my best mates moved from Margate to the US. Uh, it's all really positive, but, you know, I do miss him. Um, and you know, we talk a lot, we've got social media and everything, but it was about um, the artificiality of like online stuff and wholesome masculine friendships, like, which need to be celebrated a little bit more. Awesome, take um, it away. Yeah. So quantum love notes from a typewriter attached to a phone. Sometimes I think I'm writing messages in a bottle made out of ones and zeros like there both is and isn't meaning behind the words I'm using, and I'm throwing them in an ocean waiting to see if anyone gets back to me. Just because our social media says we're in sync doesn't mean we can feel each other across this distance, but when we stay up all night sharing pictures via Wi-Fi of our pyjamas, it seems like the whole wide world is just another big round zero, and we are two ones on different points of its curve. When I was at school, I was told that an infinite line with a slight bend would eventually come back round and touch itself, but the phone lines between us have been broken by satellites. So each time we say, I miss you, it is literally a voice from heaven made up of ones and zeros, like there both is and isn't meaning in this. Uh, I think right now we'll be doing a lot of things digitally and we're talking about like being isolated and connection in different ways. I feel like it's it's taken on a bit of a new meaning. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. And there's not enough poetry about about platonic love. Yeah, like, there really isn't. No, um, yeah, I'm really glad to see that my mate is like thriving over there. But at the same time, like miss him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not to brag or anything, but we are the world Mario Kart double dash team uh, tag team champions of the world. Oh, brag away, mate. Like, brag have, away. We've got we're a world and of the world because we won twice. Like, and nice. Why is it a world title? Because we've put out the challenge internationally, and just because no one's played against us, come <laughs> down to Thanet and challenge us to tag team double dash. Yeah, you know, wow. but we can't help being terrifyingly good. Um, it was a whole thing. That, I mean, uh, I'm scared. I mean, you should be. We are. We are fantastic. I'm afraid. We um we st so we started. He was way better as a driver, and I did the, the like the item stuff on it. 
And then we knew that our, our gaming mates were going to get really wound up at some point and insist that I drove more. And I was really bad at driving and they knew this. So they were like, ah, at some point we're going to throw out the rule change and Connor's going to have to drive and then we'll beat them. But we knew this was going to happen. So me and him were like meeting up once a week and I was like learning how to drive in America <laughs> Double Dash and get really good at it. And I wasn't the best driver, but... I was like second. So you get like, every other team would have such a gulf between how good they were. But yeah. me, and, me and Mike, we would we were both like up there. So we would win consistently. And we'd be like, thank you. Fantastic. Sucked them into their own defeat again. Um, See, is this a thing about Kent men, right? Because like, <laughs> like, seriously, I have a friend of mine called, I'm going to name you and shame you here, called Al, right? And he's from Bromsgrove. And funny enough, he's a big bloke with a ginger beard too. Maybe you were separated at birth. <laughs> but, but he sounds like Alfie Solomon's off Peaky Blinders. It's hilarious because I do a really good impression of him and we got drunk one night and um, you know, I said to him, oh, Al, I do a really good impression of you. And he went, no one can do an impression of me. And I went, oh, bloody can. <laughs> and he was like, actually, that's not bad. Um, <laughs> so, so this is Al. What what I the reason I'm comparing you to my mate Al, who I adore, um, is not just because I adore you both. It's because he is the kind of guy who, when he fancied a woman and she said she liked dancing, went and took secret lessons for three months so he could walk into the pub that was their local and spin her around and dance with her amazing so i'm thinking this might be a kent male thing but. i mean look and why my, do, plus my granddad was from kent <laughs> why do anything half-assed when you oh yes like yeah but he don't love a surprise come on yeah. um, um, so yeah, yeah. So thank you for for reading us your poem. It was it was beautiful, and I will definitely, obviously, as ever, I will put links to where you can get these in the show notes. Um, that's that's not a problem because if people want to be able to read the rest of it, they should be able to easily. That's what I'm here for. So yeah. this week on lines that make you go, oh, wish I'd written that. It's from. Um, obviously, it's from the book Chick, the collection Chick by Hannah Lowe. And it's from the poem Anna's House. And the line is, and you, a baby bird, so snappable. And I loved that because there's so much complex vulnerability to it. Yeah. Normally, yeah, normally when you hear like baby bird, you think delicate, beautiful want to be looked after vulnerable but this was like so snappable yeah there's a there's a bit more force in that isn't it yeah so i mean a lot of these poems have got very sharp edges yeah yeah i love them really cool i am um, i gave a bunch of my writing to my my prince's trust mentor so i went through the prince's trust business launch group thing but uh whiskey and beards i gave my my mentor like a load of my poems to read and they came back and said you don't do any happy poetry do you <laughs> very dark and i was like yes 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 it is yeah yeah well even my happy stuff's quite dark yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's fine because you know what that's who i am 
Yeah. And that darkness doesn't define me, but I do define that darkness. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So, so right. So, for Heist Noweth News, Joe, as you know, Joe Thomas from episode two, and having had his poems read out in here a lot, um, has a brilliant book out called Cake, Liberty, and Other Inexplicable Phenomena. It's a look at autism and asexuality and the intersection between the two, and you should definitely read it. Um, Christmas is coming up. It's very lovely priced at $6.99, and you get quite a lot for your money. So I will put, as ever, I will put links on the show notes to that. Um, what else have I got this week? Hannah Edge, her book is now complete. It's um, it's it's the difficult second album that's going to be the the um, challenge for us, as I think with these writers, getting their first book out is great because it's they've been working on it their entire lives. Um, I'm very much looking forward to what Hannah comes up with next. I think a lot of it's going to be quite dark, but this will be coming out on the first of January, and. I will be having her on the show in a few weeks. That's really cool. We've got Redbubble merch now. We have sold a T-shirt. Thank you to my daughter person for buying a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> that money goes straight into the Pay Your Artist budget. In other exciting news, which I haven't told Connie yet, actually, I'm going to do a limited run podcast for those of you who missed How Society Fucks Black Girls and tells them they likes it. It's going to be over 10 episodes and I have set up the channel for it. I just haven't recorded it yet because I haven't had time. I will let you know how it's going and when that's coming out. So it's the shameless plug time. Time for Connor to do shameless plug. Tell us what's going on at Whiskey and Beards. Anything you want. Do you make the world's best lasagna? What is it you do? Apart from like the Mario Dash stuff. We know about that. So Whiskey and Beards has recently been in awards of a £13,000 Arts Council grant to produce five books over the next uh, two years. Uh, <laughs> Um, our our favourite podcast host is uh, first up on that list, so that's in the editorial process at the moment. Uh, we're expecting that early next year. Uh, we've also got our second book uh, is in editorial. We've started discussing the marketing for that. That's all really cool. So whiskeyandbeards.co.uk to follow like blog posts to go on our store and buy our books. Um, that keeps the lights on uh, normally. Um Whiskey and Beards on Facebook is my preferred platform, but we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Do follow us. There is loads of really cool news coming out soon. Um, you know, this Arts Council grant doesn't just set up like this round of books. It also hopefully creates this legacy and knock-on effect of getting to put out more books in more cool ways. Um, we've got uh, the second version of Lucas Howard's A Few Words in the pipeline at the moment. It's coming out in paperback. Those of you who've got the limited edition 100 copy hardback will have seen how sexy it is. It's still sexy in paperback. Um, it's got a real sexy cover to it too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, so Lucas is, um, he's not only a poet of fantastic repute, uh, he's also comes from a design background. So to get to like actually play with the typography in his book and to do something that was designed for a dyslexic audience was something really important to him. Um, it's the second book we've done that was designed to be dyslexic friendly. We also put out uh, Sam Raps, the Dyslexic Poets uh, first collection as well. 
um, and that was done with uh, a font called Dyslexic, which is meant to be more readable. Um, so the kind of thing I really like doing is seeing how you can make books more like accessible for a new audience and how yeah. uh, typography and design become like a whole part of uh, the book. Um, so yeah, follow us on social media. You'll see loads of cool shit that we're doing over the next couple of years. Um, you'll see uh, the artists we've got coming out. We're not ready to announce everyone just yet. So there's there's some really cool announcements coming there. We've got a whole team that we're looking to announce at the moment. Um, I've been doing a load of grant writing work. So over the next couple of years, we'll be seeing loads of massive stuff from the Whiskey and Beards family. Um, like I say, one of our poets is putting out their first hour-long theatre show that's going to tour the country next year, starting at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, we've got workshops. We've got stuff with our friends at the Margate Bookie coming together. Um, it's a really exciting period of time. Um, on the sideline, I have a whole visual practice that you can like catch up with. I've got some work I've been making in lockdown. I've got some stuff that's uh, almost ready to, to publish about bullshit copyright licenses. Uh, I've made copyright licenses that are completely unusable and I intend to use them. Um, so, you know, that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, copy up and copy down as a thing against copyright and copyleft. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be publishing those licenses for people to use soon. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's loads of really cool shit happening. Like, it's the thing I'm just so busy all the time doing shit because there's so much cool shit. I feel uh, that. Yeah. yeah, follow me on social media, Whiskey and Beards and uh, Common Sandy Word Stuff on Facebook. I will put links in the show notes so you can get to all of that really easily. And I'm not just saying follow Connor because he's my publisher and my mate, because actually it's some really exciting stuff. And um, he showcases the other poets that we've got in the families, like Sadie Davidson, who we've got on next week. She is doing some amazing visual stuff that's really activism based and around children and hunger. Uh, she's just a powerhouse I adore yeah. her and I am sometimes I wonder if we're the same person it has to be said <laughs> but I mean including our love of eating blocks of marzipan but I am really excited to have her on as well it's going to be it's going to be a good one so yeah. there we go thank you for listening I have been Dee Dickens and you as ever have been marvellous you can get in touch with the show on dickensandquips at gmail.com or on Twitter and Insta at dickensandquips I am on the Ponty Poet or Dee Dickens Poet and Author on Facebook yes I got through it this time without calling myself Pontius Pilot um please do let me know what's going on in your area if you want to come on the show hit me up um that's what cetera did she sent me a message can i come on i know was i was not going to say no to that um don't forget to subscribe so i can get in your lug holes in a reg on a regular on the reg as it were and i'm going to leave you with prompt of the week this week it is in in honor of connor bears are all good boys that's true it is a true fact. We haven't even touched on his love for bears because that'd have to be a whole new episode. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even joking. It'd be a whole new episode. So pop it in an email or send it to us on, on um, one of our socials and we will read it out as what Roger Aldrin knows because we have read one of his out. So it just leaves me to say thank you so much for coming on, Connor. This has been an absolute blinder. It's been a blast. 
it has been brilliant hasn't it so thank you very much for coming on be very good people and try and make good choices and if you cannot make good choices then write some really good poetry about them thank you very much speak to you soon bye, bye.